Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you to our worship team. You know, I was really moved by that song where it said, Speak, O Lord. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if you were paying attention. But usually we say, let us grasp your plans for us, but let us grasp the heights of your plans for us. And I think that's what a lot of Christians and a lot of folks who are not Christians really don't get, that the plans God has for us uh, are on heights so much higher than any we could come up with or plan for ourselves. Anyway, if you have your Bible, please turn to Romans 12. So we're in a series for a couple more weeks that we uh, have called Renew, uh, to be renewed. But today I just want to start with uh, two questions, and then I'm going to read a quote. There are a couple things I'm going to read today that uh, struck me over the week. But the two questions are, what is a Christian supposed to look like? You don't have to answer it, just consider it. What's a Christian supposed to look like? And then what is a church supposed to look like? Uh, All of us probably have our ideas about how a Christian should look, or how a church should look, or you know, being, being good, great, fine. Well, what are we supposed to look like? So this is a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones, some of you know him. Uh, some of you have uh, read some of his books. He wrote prolifically. He was a pastor uh, in London and was really a great change agent for uh, the city and pastoring to the city and um, talking about how Christians should look different. So this is a quote. Our Lord... That would be Jesus. Attracted sinners because he was different. They drew near to him because they felt that there was something different about him. That poor sinful woman of whom we read about in Luke 7 did not draw near to the Pharisees and wash their feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. No. But she sensed something in our Lord, his purity, his holiness, his love, and so she drew near to him. It was his essential difference that attracted her. And the world always expects us to be different. This idea that you are going to win people to the Christian faith by showing them that after all, you're remarkably like them, is theologically and psychologically a profound blunder. I really like that quote. Uh, It speaks to me, because I've fallen in that trap often about, you know, win people to Christ, which is true. It's a very Sunday school cliche. But, you know, you got to relate to them. And he's saying... And Jesus didn't come to relate, he came to save. And, but it wasn't just his preaching and teaching, it was something was different about him. So I'd say this before we read a couple of verses in Romans 2, how different are we? How different are you if you claim Christ as Lord? How, are we different or, or at all? 
I read that quote, I say that because I think these couple verses in Romans 12, and it's going to be verse 13 through 15, uh, help us uh, see how we should be different. Uh, or a guide, as is all of Romans 12, which is why we're going through it, of how we can, how we can be different, or at least how we can pray. We can be different or say, like, that's a goal. But I always say this, you know, setting a goal is no excuse for not meeting it. I mean, you kind of have to move to it. Anyway. Romans 12, verse 13 through 15. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I'm going to read several of the passages, but those are the, those are the verses we're going to focus on. And I, and I could, you know, it really breaks it down into three types of people for us. And you really could, if you're a Christian, you could break every person you will ever encounter into these three types or categories. Saints, others, enemies. Saints, others, enemies. And these... Three verses talk about them all. The saints, others, and enemies. Start with saints. Uh, And not the football team and not uh, those on stained glass windows. When the Bible says saints, it actually means church members. It means Christians. Uh, I've said that before. It's it's easy to read saints. Like, man, I can't be a saint. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. The way the Bible views it. So it says, share with the saints in their needs. Share with the saints in their needs. So that, for us, that would mean church family. Uh, if I say, you know, you can break all people that you'll meet ever in life into these three categories, saints would be brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians, regardless of what church they go to. You share something much, much deeper and stronger than a church affiliation, than the same college, than, you know, the same interest. You share something much more powerful. You share Christ, okay? So you're saints. And so here it says, share with the saints in their needs. So for us, that would mean, like, as a church family, do we, do we share with one another our needs? Every person has needs. Everybody. Human beings have needs. Emotional needs. I mean, people need to feel accepted, approved, loved. Physical needs. Food, shelter. Relational needs. We need people, we need friends, we need brothers and sisters, even introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter. You need people. So do we, do we share with one another our needs? Or is it, you know, all about us? I brought out, and I don't really do this much, but I was like, you know, I think our church covenant has a lot to say about this verse. Share with the saints in our needs. So if you're a member, uh, you have hopefully read this. And even signed it. But the reason we do this is we kind of, we try to state, like, this is, this is who we are. This is, this is not the Bible, okay? It's not. But it has a lot of Bible uh, in this. I've said if you squeeze this covenant, Scripture would just come out. But it does say, it says a lot that ties to share with the saints their needs. And I'm not going to read through it. I encourage you, if you're a member, read it again. If you're not a member and interested in joining here, we would want you to read it. But one one sentence towards the end, by God's grace, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the love and help of Bellwether members. That'd be you. Begin to pursue and grow in holiness where my life can be an act of worship for Jesus Christ. I read that sentence as a reminder to myself and hopefully a reminder to you of our, well, one of our big calls here uh, in this life, in this season, this time that we're moving forward as, as Bellwether Church. By the love and help of one another, begin to pursue and grow in holiness, be indifferent, where my entire life can be an act of worship for Jesus Christ. Now, let's, let's just go to Scripture. Again, that's not Scripture, but Acts 2, 42 through 47. You can follow me if you want to. It's not going to be up on screen. We used to read this passage over and over when we started Bellwether Church. We're, we used to say, man, we're an Acts 2 church and all this. And I think all churches do when they start or, or try to aspire to be. But Acts 2, 42 through 47, this is, this is really seeing what share with the saints in their needs would, would look like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone was filled with awe. That means like not, you know, a danger is contentment. It's great, but it can be a danger because it can lead to complacency. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds, the money they got, to all as any had need. Share with the saints in their need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. They liked being together. They liked coming together for worship and broke bread from house to house. They also met in small groups. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Uh, God, could we, could we pray to move forward even more as, a, as an Acts 2 church? Um, maybe reading that and encourage you to read it over. Maybe change the way you see church, change your perception of church. What's the church to look like? Jesus' church is supposed to look like that. What are we as Christians to look like? We're tied up in that, not isolated together. So some examples real quick of us. And look, I think we do this very well, sharing with the saints in their needs. Uh, we have had, uh, in, our, in our brief history as a church, we've had deaths, physical deaths. And brothers and sisters come around. And it's, it's painful for everybody, but particularly those who are real close to that loved one. We do a great job, or many of you do a great job, just, just checking in, following up, seeing how you're doing. You know, I mean, common kindness and decency, but showing people you care. You know, that, that doesn't sound like much. It's simple, but it's, it's vital to our human needs. Uh, meeting together, having meals together, having coffee together, simple things that do connect. And so I, I would pray and I would hope 
that as a church, uh, we share our needs with one another. With one another. And, and look, I've known physical, financial needs about brothers who have been helped, sisters who have been helped here, members who have been helped, not in like a formal way, informally. Share with the saints and their needs. Moving into this, uh, the next part of this verse, it says pursue hospitality. If I said saints, others, enemies, this pursue hospitality part would be about others. Pursue hospitality. You know, we, we also started this church on one verse, John ten sixteen. It, it was very broad. I mean, Jesus said, there are others. I must go to them. Now we say we love the other person. And I, I say that, and we use that because it's like loving the person who's different, who we, we wouldn't normally, like, hang out with, okay? I read an article this week in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it was about how Christians sometimes can be very uh, combative towards non-Christians. And on the other end, non-Christians can be very combative towards Christians. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I, I have. But it was written by uh, a Christian, and he, uh, he quotes C.S. Lewis. So I want to read this. I have definitely felt this, what he's talking about. He says every human being has felt this. C.S. Lewis was talking to a lot of students one time, and he said, said, I believe in all men's lives at certain periods, and in many men's lives in all periods, between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring, and the terror of being left outside. Let me say that again. He calls it the inner ring, the inner circle, being included, being in or being left out. It's as simple as that. But he says, many men, many men in all periods of their whole life, and women, but their, their greatest fear is being left out. And he says all men and women at certain periods. One of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left out. Every person we face, every person here, I would argue, you know, maybe it's not your entire life, but we all have parts of our life where it's like, man, I want to be in. I don't want to be out. I don't want to be left out. And so the whole deal about others, and going back to this verse, simply pursue hospitality, is that so many people just, they just don't want to be left out. They just want to have a place. Just want to have a home. And, you know, for us, when I ask, you know, what's a Christian supposed to look like? What's a church supposed to look like? I truly believe that a Christian and a church should be very willing to go the distance, go the extra mile, even to someone who is vastly different or who you just naturally would not hang with because of different social, relational, political beliefs. That same article in the Wall Street Journal, it talks about how often Christians seem, and I'm going to quote this, culturally repugnant others, and he used that word others, to non-Christians, and often the non-Christians, and these are, these are like the hardcore, explicit, you know, just not going to, 
go to church, you know, let's say believe in, you know, and lives out countercultural lifestyles. Like, and they looked like culturally repugnant others to the Christians. So what a Christian should look like, what a church should look like, is to really go to the culturally repugnant others. That's what Jesus did. I mean, his, his disciples were a, a motley crew. Uh, the people who ended up really following him were, I mean, Mary Magdalene, prostitutes, woman at the well, multiple husbands. You can talk about countercultural lifestyles. Read the Bible, okay? But Jesus went to them. And they, they were drawn. I think you're, people are drawn by just, are you just going to them? Like, yeah, you wouldn't, you're not supposed to hang out with me. I was talking to uh, somebody last night at the reception, and I said, what if we, you know, what if, and you see this all the time on social media, Facebook, you encounter people who you just, you want to butt heads with, we just gave it five minutes before you responded. Like someone says something you want to argue, give it five minutes. You see something on Facebook, you want to make your point, give it five minutes. I think some of the best ways to go to others is like not to do anything all sometimes. Just give it five minutes. Think about it. Think about where they are, what they're saying, what their life is like. If we all just gave it five minutes, I think, I think we would reach others more. I think we would connect with others more. I think the church, the church, global church, local church would grow. Just give it five minutes. So others, pursue hospitality. We do it very well, open up our homes. Hospitality is a gift. Some of y'all are very natural. It is a gift that can be cultivated. One way is just give it five minutes. Listen, listen. And then the last, well, not the last, but then it goes into the enemy's part, which we love. And we all have. I mean, you break down life, every human, saints, others, enemies. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Bless those who persecute. Bless them and do not curse. We want to curse them. I mean, my enemies, and I have some, I want to curse them. I mean, I wouldn't say it uh, explicitly, vocally. Sometimes I have. Okay? Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, some folks have had to hear that. I mean, if we're just being real, we, we do, but we'll curse them in our minds. But this... This verse is clear. Bless them and do not curse them. So then you're like, well, how do you, how do you bless somebody? I mean, if they're your enemy, how do you bless them? I, I do think it, it can begin and never end by praying for a brother or sister, by just praying for them. I, I do think random acts of kindness go a long ways. And sometimes, if they're your enemy, it's not going to be received. So the question for me, the question for you is, what do you do if, if they would never know? Like, they don't have to know. Like, you're not doing it to make yourself look good, to say, hey, you know, I'm living out Romans 12, 14. I'm blessing them, not cursing them. And, you know, I mean, we can all do that too. We have our, our own selfish motives. But what if they would never know? Can, can you bless them then? I, I look back to this example in my life, and I was trying to think of, <laughs> let me be honest, I was trying to think about it, times, examples where I've blessed enemies rather than cursed them, and I couldn't really think of many, okay? So, but I came up, I remembered one, 
And this is really in a past life. So if you're, uh, if you're a, maybe a youth here, young guy, girl, maybe, maybe, this will, um, maybe this will connect with you. But it was in a past life. I was working, living in D.C., you know, stated as a Christian. Honestly, I mean, probably was not a Christian at that point. But had a girlfriend, okay? It's not Linda. Had a girlfriend, and, you know, we were like, Serious girlfriend, dated for a while, all that, after college. Um, you know, had, you know, I mean, had big conversations and all that. Now, she had a friend who just despised me, okay? It's like the, my girlfriend had a girlfriend who, who couldn't, I mean, just thought I was, um, and she had many names for me. Just thought I, thought I was a jerk, okay? Thought I was a jerk. I mean, you can see that, can't you? <laughs> Not me at a jerk, but how, you know what I'm talking about. And she would, uh, she just, you know, it was always a battle, like, you know, man. You know, so talking to my girlfriend at the time and, you know, her friend, like, you know, she just doesn't like you. And, you know, she thinks you're doing this, that, which I was. So she was right. But so we just didn't get along. And I was like, man, you know, I mean, I had my things in my mind I would say about her. So anyway, my girlfriend and I broke up. And moved along, and then a couple months later, I don't know, it was like six, nine months, a year later, a guy I knew in D.C. was interested in my ex-girlfriend's girlfriend, okay? Friend, girl, you know what I'm talking about? And he was interested in her, and he said, man, you know, I know you dated so-and-so girl, and she's real close. What do you think about her? Okay, total softball setup, put it on the tee to just slam her, and like, man, you know, total setup. And the, the friend of the ex would never know. And this is a good dude. And I was like, man, you know, she's a great girl. You know, she's a great girl. And, I mean, she was a great, she is a great girl. I know her now. We, th- this was part of our makeup, making up. But I said, man, she's a great girl. You know, yeah, I mean, we had, you know, I mean, I was, I was dating that girl. I was a mess. I was a jerk, you know, jack whatever. And, um. Yeah, yeah, she called me out. She's great. I mean, I don't know, call her up, do whatever, you know, before the age of cell phones, you know, talk to her. So he did, and I didn't think he would ever say anything about me. Well, at some point, they kind of dated, and, you know, he said, yeah, man, you know, you know, Tate just talked the world about you and said, you know, all that. And she was, <laughs> so then, randomly, we're out one night, and this girl comes up, and she was like, you know, and it's like, her, you know, her face, I mean, you can just see it in her face and her heart. I mean, not romantically, but it just melts. like, you know, because, I mean, she liked the dude, and she's like, you know, you know th- thank you for saying kind stuff. No, she knew, you know, it's unspoken. No, I didn't have to know that, you know, probably shouldn't. And I didn't know she would find out. So going back, that was one of the main, <laughs> that was one of the main, uh, one of the only times that I can think about that I've really tried to bless an enemy, and she was an enemy, and, you know, they wouldn't know about it. So my question would be, you know, what if they, they just don't, they're not going to know about it. You know, you got the, the total setup softball, put it on the tee to slam them. You're going to do that. How different are you? How different are we as Christians? Last verse, 15. And this is for everybody. So if you took the whole deal, saints, others, enemies together, it just says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. 
Now, you could say, yeah, it's simple. I mean, just rejoice when you rejoice. Weep with weep. But going back to what's a Christian supposed to look like? What's a church supposed to look like? How different are we? Those are the questions. How different are we? So coming to a church, okay, it's easy to rejoice. Last night we celebrated. Weep with those who weep. I thought about a movie that, uh, it's an old movie. It's a great one. It's called Backdraft. Anybody ever seen Backdraft? It's about firefighters. Firefighters? Okay, yeah, okay. A few. So firefighters. Moody, come up here. I want to I use you as a, as a sermon prop. I know, I love using people. I know. Come on, it's, it's like. Okay, sit down first. <laughs> I thought about you because I thought you'd be sitting like front and center. Anyway, so Backdraft, there's a scene. It's firefighters. They fight fires, right? And, and they go into, and they don't know if they're coming out. But man, they, they, are, they are together as a team. And I thought about how much that should be like a church. Because we're fighting fires all the time. Personally, uh, together, corporately. I mean, as a Christian, we're like always in the fire, in the furnace. And often, a brother or sister could say, man, just... Say, like, just let me go. I'll, I'll do it. But the saying in backdraft was always, you go, we go. So there was a scene. Here's where I need you. Come right here. Let me stand up. So, like, there was, they were in this furnace. Grab my, right there. Not my hand. Right there. There's a scene, and, you know, in this building, just coming down, two firefighters trapped. I'll let you off just a second. And, you know, one guy, dude's holding on. Not by the hand, and this dude is like, so now let go. He goes, he lets go. Okay, but this other dude, the firefighter, keeps holding on and says, You go, we go. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Give him a hand. Very good, very good. So often there are gonna be times when somebody's gonna let go of your hand. And sometimes it's self-pity, sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's like, I don't feel worthy. I know none of you could ever believe that, but, but that is very true. Like, just, just let me go. You know, do we stay locked arm in arm? Hey, you go, we go. You know, is that the attitude? Is that the philosophy? You know, youth. Youth going to college. You know, young folks just starting out in life, in marriage. The fires that we will face. Is it a you go, we go attitude? I hope it is. I wish it would be, and I'll close by the how. Because this is all good, but honestly, everything I just said, you could go to some self-help business practical seminar and pretty much kind of hear the same thing. The church, it always comes back to Jesus. You can kind of look, oh yeah, this is the right thing to do, but if you don't center it in Christ, I mean, it's, it's not going to stick for long. So how we do this, how we be different, how a church looks different, how you look different, is I mean, the quote I started with, you look to Jesus, now that was his life, but I want to end with Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the, Jesus on the cross, at the same time, he said, God, why have you forsaken me? And yet he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. At the, at the same like, moment, I mean, I think it's back-to-back phrases, verses, Father, forgive them. Why have you forsaken me? At the same time, before he 
went to the cross, Martha asked him about Lazarus and said, you know, if you'd have been here earlier, he would have lived. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that was personal for her. And then later at the Last Supper, he says, Lord, I pray that they may all be one. So it is personal for you, but it's, it does not end there. It's, it's together that the church might be one. And so I'd kind of close with this question. Like, you know, think about Martha. And everybody knows the story just about of Lazarus being raised. And she was so mad that I know you can heal Jesus. And he's sick, and now he's dead. And if you'd have gotten here earlier, you'd have healed him. She knew he could heal. She did not know he could raise people from the dead. And I think that's how a lot of Christians live. You know, oh yeah, Jesus can heal, I believe that. Do you know that he can raise you from the dead? And I'm not talking about your physical life. He can do that and will do that too. Uh, But the death of your situation, the death of your life, how big is your Christ? How different is your Christ? Jesus, if you'd have just been here, you could... Jesus was like, Martha, I know you know I can heal. I can also bring him back to life. Are you just following a a healer, Jesus? And not a a all-powerful, I will raise you from the dead... I will raise you from where your life is now. That's the Jesus we proclaim and and ultimately hope to follow. So the very last thing, how that happens, first you repent. And that's a a biblical word, but it's a churchy word. I always just break it down, simplify it, just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I can't, I cannot, I don't have the capacity to do this without you. And and I have done wrong, and I've tried to do it my own way. Repent, receive. When you repent, you're just so open to receive. I think, I think those flow together. And then he begins to restore. Restore you to his heights, as we sang about. So do we, you know, talking about different, what's supposed to look like. A Christian and a church supposed to look like, Jesus, I need you. I've been doing it on my own. Jesus, I'm open to receiving you. Over and over again, not a one-moment salvation, but it is a one-moment salvation, but over and over again. And confident and humble that you and we are being restored. It's the gospel, it's the Bible, it's what we need. It's how we're different, and we can have it today and every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. I need you. This church needs you over and over again. When we get a little... You know, we're, we're kind of good, we're fine, we're just, man, we desperately need you then. Um, just, sometimes you have to burn the contentment and complacency out of it through a furnace. Help us to live as a church with a you-go-we-go attitude, but it's, it's because of you. It's because you were on the cross thinking about us. You weren't just forgiving those soldiers, you were forgiving us. All of us. May we know that. May we be what, what your world as creator needs. Ambassadors, citizens of the heaven, blessing those who persecute us, sharing needs, opening our homes to people who we would just not normally open our homes with or, or have, have a meal with. Change us by the power of your spirit.
your name we pray. Amen.